Welcome to New England Taking to BKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get the latest episodes of the show, as well as check out our new morning program, WKXL in the Morning, which I am hosting from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And you'll be able to actually check out the New England Take now in the 6 a.m. hour on Mondays, in addition to our regular 5, 6 p.m. Friday broadcast. So that's, that's been a blast to kick that off this week. This segment it was sponsored by the New Hampshire Insurance Department. The New Hampshire Insurance Department is committed to protecting the public good by ensuring a safe and competitive insurance marketplace. So when things go wrong, the New Hampshire Insurance Department is here to help. If you feel like you've been treated unfairly or have had a problem using your insurance, contact the Consumer Services Division. For assistance with your questions or complaints, contact them at consumerservices at ins.nh.gov. That's at consumerservices at ins.nh.gov or call 1-800-852-3416. This is a free service offered to all New Hampshire residents. And I'm really excited to be partnered again with the insurance department. We'll be doing a monthly series again with them being kicked off right now with Brendan Harris, the fraud examiner in charge over at the insurance department. Welcome. Thank you, AJ. It's great to be back. It's great to have you back on. We the, the last time you we were on the show, you had some great stories, so I expect we'll maybe talk about a couple cases later on. Uh, but obviously, insurance is, uh, health insurance especially, but all forms of insurance are big, and there, there's a lot of people that are involved with it, so there's always chances of fraud happening, and uh, that's what you guys are there to prevent, right? Yes, sir. Uh I can tell you last year, even with all the uh, obstacles involving COVID, we still end up having a record high number of cases prosecuted for insurance fraud, which is kind of alarming because I thought it would have kind of dipped down with people hiding and stuff, but it, they were still finding sneaky ways to commit insurance fraud and, and we found sneakier ways to find them and catch them. And I mentioned a lot of it is paperwork based or things that you don't necessarily, you're not showing up at the convenience store stealing the candy bar. It's, it's a lot of paperwork and uh, back-end fraud stuff, I'd imagine. Yes, yes. This, this particular year, we found a huge increase in uh, medical records that were fake. Uh, people just uh, had more access to computers. I don't know if it was they were at home and they had more time on their hands. Uh, but they were finding a lot more time uh, to use Adobe Pro and create all kinds of fake medical records and more than happy to send them to insurance carriers to steal as much money from them as they could. And that was a, a bulk of a lot of our cases, certainly one of the higher dollar cases. And how are you guys keeping track of, how are you guys finding these cases that are, especially because they're all, it's primarily digital, I'm assuming. Uh, how are you guys tracking things down to investigate? Well, in New Hampshire, there's an RSA for all insurance carriers that if they're working an insurance claim and they identify what they think might be a suspected fraud, that they're required by that law to refer something or refer that claim to the insurance fraud unit. At that point, it comes across my desk and I review it and I'll speak to the person who made the referral, get a better understanding of what it is that they're actually referring. And if we think it's something that we can work, uh, then we'll send away for a copy of the complete claims file. We review that in more in depth, make sure it still is a good case. And if we finally open a criminal case on it, um, then I assign it to either myself or one of the other investigators. And we have a huge unlimited uh, access to all kinds of uh, ways to find data on people that they just probably have no idea that we have. 
Yeah, that's really fascinating. So you, you you sent me a few keynotes before we went went ahead with this this uh, interview. I mean, cell phone records, bank records, business records. This is you guys are given a lot of uh, leeway to find what you need to find. Yeah, there's a, there's a statute in New Hampshire that uh, allows the insurance fraud unit the ability to draft its own uh, subpoenas, sign its own subpoenas, and serve its own subpoenas. So essentially. If I have a target in a case and I need their cell phone records to build my case, in 15 minutes, I have a subpoena at Verizon Wireless or wherever it needs to go. Same with your bank records, same with uh, business records, payroll records, employment security records, anything we need, the subpoena pretty much opens the door for everything we want. And then there's other certain authorities that are, are given to us that actually, actually aren't even given to uh, the police as well. Um, like normally the, the police would have to go through a grand jury to get bank records, but we can get bank records in a matter of 10 days. So we have some, some special authorities that uh, make our life a lot easier. It's not like law and order. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish it was. I wish it was all over in 45 minutes. And- <laughs> yeah, that, that must be a lot of paperwork to go through. I mean, how if we talked about this a little bit in the last time you were on the show, but I mean, how big is your staff that you have to operate and has that – uh, staffing level increased over the last year? Um, about a year and a half ago, we hired a third investigator, Stephanie, um, and she has she's hired as the senior investigator. We stole her from welfare fraud because she was doing a, a bang-up job over there. So we, we stole her from, from welfare fraud, and she'd be doing a bang-up job for us as well. So kudos to Stephanie. Um, yeah, so the unit only consists of myself, two investigators, myself, Tom Wickey, and Stephanie Ondas, and then Karen Casson. She keeps us in line with all the administrative stuff. Um, so it's a fairly small unit, but we're we're doing a great job. I think we're we're prosecuting more cases than we ever have, and having higher uh, fraud value cases than we've ever had. So, so I'm really excited about the way the unit's operating. What what are some of the things driving the higher value uh, opportunities of fraud that you're investigating? Um, like you had mentioned earlier, healthcare fraud is always going to be more expensive than the the typical fender bender car accident that might be three or four thousand dollars. Um, but when we get into these fake medical records and somebody says they slipped and fell and they submit a bunch of fake emergency room visits, um, all kinds of records from ambulance companies and lost wages that they didn't actually lose, suddenly the value of these frauds go up to thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars and that's what's driving the number up so quickly. And the insurance department, uh, and the insurance agencies must be uh, quite appreciative of some of these investigations. They, they seem to be. We, we try to get restitution back to any of the carriers that we can. If we can charge somebody and uh, they're found guilty as a part of whatever plea bargaining sentence that we can offer, whatever the county attorneys can offer, uh, we always ask for restitution back to whatever entity lost money. Sometimes a carrier will hire a cause, cause and origin expert or they'll hire attorneys to do you know, depositions and stuff like that. And it's really unfair to them to suck up that expense for an insurance fraud case. So we try to get that money back for them. Yeah. I mean, what are the consequences for someone that's doing these health insurance frauds? Well, we, we generally focus on the higher dollar cases. Um, so people are looking at class A felonies. So you're looking at potentially uh, 15 years in jail, you know, thousands of dollars in fines, being labels as a fraudster for the rest of your life. You'd be a convicted felon. Good luck to you finding a job where, you know, it involves handling any kind of money. Um, so 
you know, most times people aren't going to jail, but we have had some. We have one that just went to jail for um, he's now going to spend life in prison. And it was because of a whole lot of drugs and guns and stuff. But actually what got him caught was the insurance fraud. We would have never caught the guns and the drugs had he not committed the fraud. And we did a search warrant on his house and, and found the wealth of everything. So, so the, the classic uh, uh, movie Rico case thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's wishing that he had not filed that mysterious disappearance of some jewelry when uh, he's now facing the rest of his life sitting behind bars. But, uh, yeah. That's what happens. And you know, I, I should say I feel bad for him, but I really don't. They knew what they were doing when they did it. I mean, how do you attribute getting to that 100% success rate for prosecutions? Is it because you guys are just that thorough with the investigation of the what's going on? Yeah, I've, I've been doing this almost 32 years now uh, between being a retired policeman and then being here in the uh, insurance fraud unit for the last 14 years. Um, I've never lost a case. I only work a case. If I won't submit a case to a prosecutor unless I feel 100% sure that the person did it and that all the evidence in the world is there to prove that they did it. So what's nice is that the county attorneys will actually fight for our cases. They want our cases. When they see one of our cases coming in the door, they know it's a very easy case to solve. And, um, you know, if there's any inkling of the case might not be successful or, or certainly if the person, if there's an inkling that the person may not have done it, then the case certainly is not going to go forward. I'm not going to jeopardize the, the unit's reputation in submitting a case that I'm not 100% sure of. And so that's why we have 100% success rate. Some of, some of the things you want to talk about today, I mean, a big one that this is really fascinating is certificates of liability insurance fraud. I mean, can you speak to that? Yeah, that this was more of a consumer awareness thing. Um, and I, it actually, it, it happened to myself. Um, if you're a consumer and you want to get a new roof put on your house, you want to have a contractor come out and take down some trees or do something on your property where somebody could get hurt, general, well, always ask for a certificate of liability insurance to confirm that the people have insurance, they have workers' compensation insurance in case one of the employees gets hurt there. But don't just take that certificate at face value. In about six minutes, I could create a fake certificate of liability insurance that would look as legitimate as a real one and I could pass it off all day long. What happens is there's a lot of contractors who are uh, creating these fake certificates, passing them off, and all is great until little Johnny falls off the roof doing a roofing job, and now all of a sudden he's got huge medical bills, and guess whose insurance is gonna kick in when there's no workers' compensation insurance? It's gonna be your homeowner's insurance, and now you're gonna have to deal with that. So the message is if you're gonna hire a contractor to come to your house, Tell them you won't hire them unless there's a certificate of liability insurance. And not only take that, but then call the agent who's listed at the bottom of it and confirm that it's legit. And we find lots of fake ones out there. And, you know, fortunately, there aren't a lot of people falling off roofs, but the times that it does happen, it really does disrupt some of these people's lives. It's always a worst case scenario. I mean, the worst case scenario is when things are the most expensive or the most tragic. And it, it's super important to do that research to make sure the person actually did it. Like you said, it, it's super easy to go online. There's gonna be templates for basically everything that is a yeah. quote legal document and quote <laughs> that people can print off and just fill in the details, say, hey, I've got whatever random insurance agency is, uh, is covering me for a million dollars. You get nothing to worry about. If I fall through the, my shoddy uh, roof job I'm doing right now, you won't, you won't be uh, responsible for it. 
Yep. And, and, until you call and then that insurance carrier says, we've never heard of that company before, or we insured them for 30 days back three years ago and we haven't seen them since. And then all of a sudden you realize you're, you're in a real pickle. This and is more, then, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just looking at a referral that just came in. It's just a, a sort of another consumer awareness thing that I think we want to try to promote is that people out there now doing like DoorDash and mm. uh, these you know, instant food deliveries, inst- I don't know what they call it, Instacart, um, Uber, things like that. And they all think they're doing the right thing because they have insurance on their cars, but you actually need to have some commercial insurance on your car. Um, or some sort of business use policy on your car. If you have the regular personal auto policy like I do on my car and I'm delivering a pizza for Domino's and I crash into somebody and I cause $40,000 worth of damage, it's gonna be the most expensive pizza I ever delivered in my life because I am now responsible for that $40,000. So we we really want people, if you're gonna be doing these deliveries and make some side money, that's fantastic. Just call your carrier to let them know what you plan to do and what kind of coverages are you going to need to protect yourself in case something bad happens? Yeah, it's kind of the crossover in modern times between what is a consumer of an app versus someone that's making a living off of that app, and now it's your job. Uh, ask the questions, read the fine print, because you don't want to be in this tough spot and accidentally just reclaiming something you didn't even mean to be claiming as something you're not supposed to. Sure. All of a sudden, you find out you thought you were doing all the right things, and then you find out that you're in you know, you're in a lot of trouble and now you're responsible for your own damage as well as all the damage and injuries that you may have caused. And so it's, it's just, those are sad stories, but unfortunately I'm seeing those come across my desk. And so I'd, I'd love to let people know, just make the call to the carrier and, and ask them, what do I need to protect myself? And I'd imagine it'll also be on the housing side of things. If you've got an Airbnb going on, uh, your your house, your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance uh, likely will not cover the same things as you just doing whatever you want in your space. Right. It, it goes right back to you know, your policy. Uh, your, your insurance carriers are more than happy to answer these questions. If, if you have some questions or concerns, just give them a call and, uh, and just make sure you're covered. I don't want to see anybody get jammed up on a on a claim when there was really no need for it. And also just reach out to the consumer information line uh, at the New Hampshire Insurance Department. They're very helpful over there. They'll help you. If you're not sure about something, they will help you out and tell you who, at least who to contact because uh, you don't want to be talking to Brendan. <laughs> yep. Um, another thing that we've, we've sort of noticed lately, I don't know if I don't know if it's just weird that it's popping up, but suddenly all these witnesses are showing up that are witnesses to insurance fraud cases. And we're finding they're usually friends, they're employees, they're employers, they're neighbors or somebody. But what people don't understand is if I'm committing an insurance fraud and I call my friend and say, hey, do me a favor and and uh, say that you were with me or that you saw it or something like that. And you're the friend that calls the insurance carrier and says, yeah, I was a witness to this thing. It's a legitimate claim. And in fact, it was not. And you've now made a false statement pursuant to a claim for benefit. You're as guilty as the guy who's filing the false insurance claim. So we're charging people's family members now who were suckered into pretending to be a witness to a case that they weren't even there. So if someone asks you to be a witness for a fraud, run away from it all day long. Just don't do it. Yeah. yeah, you're also, and I'd imagine you're also going to have the hard hard time if you have your own homeowner's insurance and such. Um, you're not going to anymore, and that's going to cause real problems for having a car in some parts of the country. You're going to have problems uh, with your bank, with your mortgage, I'm assuming, and things like that. Yep. 
Yeah, New Hampshire is fantastic that it, it, in a way that it does not require you to have any car insurance on your car as you're driving around our highways. But probably there are a dime a dozen in my world, the people that don't have any insurance and then they crash their cars. And then oftentimes they buy an insurance policy, sometimes at the crash scene or just after the police leave. Um, You, you know, then they file a claim like two days later and they lie about when the accident happened to try to get coverage. Uh, you will get caught. We, we don't lose those cases. Those are really easy. If I need to, I can do a search one on your cell phone. I'll ping exactly where you were at the minute you made that call. Um, you will get caught on those ones. And and people also don't recognize the fact that every, every insurance carrier, when you call them, actually tape records all the calls. And so, you know, a, a funny story is somebody who wrecked their motorcycle and was so seriously hurt, they had ruptured their spleen and they're laying in this guy's front yard and he seriously hurt. He was on a motorcycle and his friend pulls over to check on him. And the guy, of course, doesn't have any insurance, but he has his insurance card. He pulls out his insurance card. He calls the insurance carrier to buy an insurance policy while he's laying on this lady's front lawn next to death. And what was even funnier is that the person answering the phone at the insurance carrier was new and kept putting him on hold. So every time he was on hold, he didn't think it was being recorded. And his friend's like, buddy, are you okay? I thought you were going to die. And, <laughs> and then of course the customer service comes back on and everything's great, but it was hysterical to listen to the, the recording. Oh, I bet. I mean, it, it's, Jesus, why don't do this. It just seems so easy. Uh, don't be honest. Like imagine it's just like any other business. Imagine it's the corner. Once again, the corner store example, you're not going to go steal a candy bar and then go, I'm stealing the candy bar and I'm texting. I'm stealing the candy bar. Like this information's there. You talk about <laughs> Facebook tracks you every five seconds. It's always in the news. Well, Guess what? The cops can find it too. Yeah, we have access to everything that the police have. So when it comes to the fraud unit, um, you know, every database that they have access to, we do. We do the search warrants, the undercover operations, the mail covers, you name it, one party intercepts. Um, so I, I think the strongest message we're trying to send is, you know, if you're thinking about doing it, think twice. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't be labeled as a fraudster and try to live with that the rest of your life. It's not worth it. We got a couple minutes left here quick, but I mean, looking forward, I mean, what are some things down the pike for your end of the insurance department? Well, I think we want to actually start doing some sting operations. Um, And that's going to go back to some of these uh, companies that are submitting fake certificates of liability insurance. Once we identify one of those, you know, it's never, it's like the Lay's potato chips. It's never, you just don't eat one chip. You're sending these certificates out all over the place. So we want to identify those carriers and before, I'm sorry, those companies and before we reach out to them and let them know that they're in a little bit of trouble, we may actually pose and try to hire them to come on and do a job for us, let them hand us a certificate, and, and we'll just catch them red-handed, almost be like, you know, one of those one of those fun reality shows where, you know, the guy comes over to the house and all of a sudden the camera crew comes outside and the guy's never been more embarrassed in his life. We'd like to do that a few times and promote it, and, and maybe that'll help stop some of these um, these types of frauds. Brendan Harris, fraud examiner in charge over at the New Hampshire Insurance Department. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was great.
All right, so this segment's been presented by the New Hampshire Insurance Department. Be sure to check check out their website at ins.nh.gov or email consumer services at ins.nh.gov or call 1-800-852-3416. They're there to help. I'm excited to continue the monthly series here. We're planning on another six months with once a month. They'll be on the show. Check out the podcast feed. And check out our previous editions of, of this series from earlier this summer in the New England Take podcast feed. Thanks so much for listening. You're, this is the New England Take. I'm your host, A.J. Kerstad.